Okay. All right. Let's pray before we jump into the, the Bible. Holy Spirit, we, we have a desperate need for Jesus. So we're calling out to you with our heart to say, bring us to Jesus today. Bring us to his feet. Pray this in your name. Amen. All right, kids, I got a little quiz for you here. Does any kid out there know what this is? Are there any kids still out there besides mine? Yes, I see Mike. You guys know what this is? Where's Levi? Can't see you, buddy. You guys know what this is? Anybody know what this thing is? What is this? What is this in my hand here? Yeah, it's a tape player, okay? Good job. So this is called, it was called a Walkman at one point in time, and this was the coolest thing around. You could put this little thing inside of this, okay? So curious, right? <laughs> That's right, Sam, okay? You would stick something in here, and you could listen to music on this as you walked around. You could, like, clip it to your belt and look really cool and add headphones, these big old headphones you could attach to it, okay? This was cool when some of your parents and their friends were kids. This was all the rage, okay? Now, one other thing that was, that was really cool when I was growing up, uh, when, I was, when I was younger, they had these little things called squirt guns. You know squirt guns? They have those little triggers, right? And you put these little triggers and you're like, you know, the person stands there and they're like, what? What? Until what came out was... The Super Soaker 50, right? When this hit the market, man, every other squirt gun was worthless. I remember the, I still can remember the commercials that came out with these things. And my friend down the street that got one, I was so jealous. I wanted one of these things so bad because they just could pump so much water at somebody, right? The Super Soakers was something, man, you just had to have one of these, Right? Eventually, I did, get, I did get a super soaker, and uh, so my, my dream was fulfilled there. But all kinds of other things that were the rage of the time. The Game Boy. Remember the Nintendo Game Boy when that came out? Uh, slap bracelets. Remember those? And so it was that urban legend that some kid got, you know, his wrist cut open or something by one. Whatever. Silly bands for those you younger folks. You remember silly bands, right? These are all things that at some point just, just you know, all those crazy Christmas gifts that, you know, someone bought a bunch of them anticipating the, the, the market trend and then made millions, you know, around Christmas time or whatever, right? There's always something that people are saying, this is what we've got to have. I have to have this. This little kid heart of me was saying, I have to have a super soaker. I'm just defenseless with this puny little squirt gun, right? The question I want to throw out there today is, what do we have to have? Okay. All right, we can all go home. Okay. This kid's born to preach. All right, now we have the answer. Uh, okay. Today we are, we're going we're gonna to finish our series called The Unsung Superhero. 
We're talking about the Holy Spirit who often goes unnoticed because he's unseen and he's working with us, surprisingly, to save the world. And that's part of the reason why it's taking so long is because he's got to work with us, okay? So we're taking a closer look at the Holy Spirit, looking through the books of Luke and Acts. It's kind of a two-part series that this guy named Luke wrote. Here's what we're going to find today. We have to have Jesus. We have to have him. We've got to have Jesus. If we're doing, that's right, no matter what. If we don't have Jesus, we've got nothing, guys. This is what we have to have, the person of Jesus. If we do church without him, we miss the whole deal. We've got to have Jesus. We have to have him. We have to have Jesus to have the Holy Spirit. We have to have Jesus to have power over darkness. And we have to have Jesus so that we have something to give the world. We have to have Jesus. Let's turn to Acts 19. We're going to do a little bit of interaction again this week, especially with the kids here. So parents, if your kids are still with you, you can, you can try to engage them in this a little bit and ask some questions. So kids, listen along. You're going to have a chance to talk to somebody next to you after we read this, okay? So see if you can listen to this. If you've got a phone or a Bible, turn to this because the questions will be on the screen and not the passage. So I just encourage you to turn to it now. I know I can't hear pages rustling because most of you are probably using a phone, okay? But please turn on your phone. Acts 19. Acts 19, okay? I'm going to read it once, and then you might want to look back at it. I'm going to put some questions on the screen. Acts 19, okay? Everybody ready? While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Talking about John the Baptist. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. All right, you got about two minutes. Here's some questions for you to discuss. Okay, you don't have to answer all of them, but talk to somebody near you. Look at the passage again. What do you notice? What do you feel like Luke is highlighting, or why did he choose to include this in the book of Acts among the millions of things he could have told about? And then what is the main point if you've got enough time to get there? Ready, go. Okay, you got one more minute.
Okay, throw it out there. Any of these three questions. What did you notice? What felt important enough for this passage to be in the book of Acts? It would have been nice to hear a lot of other things that we don't hear about, but this is what Luke picked. Or what's the main point? Go ahead. Shout it out. Okay. Baptism of men, not enough. You couldn't hear that. Come on, be brave. We're a brave people. Okay. Oh, you're going to get a chance later again, okay? What I see in this passage is we have to have Jesus. We have to have Jesus. Jesus makes all the difference. He is the one we really want and need. Paul comes on the scene. He shows up at this church in Ephesus. There's some, there's some believers there, some disciples, I guess it says. And they say, oh, you know, we, we know about John's baptism, Right? And he doesn't say, hey, all right, that's great. You guys are going in the right direction, you know. Awesome. Love you. We're brothers, you know. No. He says, the first question that he asks, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And a commentary I was reading this week and studying this passage said this, the interchange in verse 2 assumes that the Holy Spirit is the defining mark of Christian identity. It is the defining mark of Christian identity, a benefit connected with baptism and both key elements of Lucan and Pauline theology. So both Paul and Luke are are advocates of this, are saying the same thing. He's asking them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is the one that connects us to Jesus. Right? Jesus and the Holy Spirit are always going hand in hand. When you believe in Jesus, you repent of your sins, you turn to God, you receive the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have Jesus. If you have Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. If you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you. He is on you. He is in you. He's all around, right? Paul's question makes it clear that when we believe, we receive the Holy Spirit. Right? He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. So immediately Paul knows these guys don't believe in Jesus. Because if they did, they would have the Holy Spirit. So his next question is clear. Then wait a second. What baptism did you receive if you don't even know about the Holy Spirit? When we believe in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit, and we have to have Jesus. The Holy Spirit brings Jesus to us. Right? John the Baptist brought repentance. He was preparing the way, but for one that would be greater than him. Okay? Sam asked me yesterday, um, as we were hanging out around the house, he asked me how long someone could go without breathing. I don't know exactly where that question came from. <clears throat> scared me a little bit. But I was kind of, I kind of told him, like, you know, okay, three minutes, or, you know, maybe it was more like five or seven minutes. <clears throat> and I remembered that this morning, that when, when I was a kid and I was bored in church and sitting there and listening to someone talk on and on, I used to practice holding my breath. So I would look at the clock or like if I had a stopwatch on or a timer or something and I would just like, 
and practice over and over again, like how long I could do it. A number of years ago, I, I traveled to Costa Rica on a foreign language trip while I was a teacher, and it was helping the Spanish teacher at the time uh, just, you know, bring these kids all over the country. And one night, we were hanging out in this, in this coastal village town, and uh, we were all hanging out in the pool, and we decided to have a contest of, like, how long you could, you could, I could, we could, she could hold our breath underwater. And uh, that night, I set a personal record of three minutes underwater. So all that practice in church paid off. Okay? And this morning I Googled the amount of time that you can go without oxygen, and it said five to ten minutes. After one minute, brain cells begin to die, and after three minutes, serious brain damage is likely. That explains a lot, okay? <laughs> so we need air, right? Without air, it does not take long for our whole body to shut down and our brain to begin to die. We need Jesus more than we need air, guys. We need Jesus. We have to have him. We have to have Jesus. We've got to have him. Our hearts, your heart this morning, is, is, is longing in its deepest place for an encounter with Jesus. And that is what the Holy Spirit is all about. As we wrap up this series, what is the Holy Spirit doing in this world? He's making Jesus great. He's giving Jesus glory. As Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father and is administering administering the invasion of heaven to earth, the Holy Spirit is down here working with us to make Jesus known. That is what he's doing. That is why the Holy Spirit is so important is because we have to have Jesus. And he comes, we know him through the Holy Spirit. Verse eight. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there, still in Ephesus, for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God, but some of them became obstinate they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Extraordinary. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Right? Verse 13. Now, kids, you're going to get a crack out of this one. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish high priest, sorry, chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Someone just said naked in church. Tell your parents, okay? All right. Is that allowed? All right, you got two minutes to discuss this. What's going on? What do you notice? What, what do you feel might be important in this passage? Why is this included? Some people getting a beating, okay? What's the main point? Two minutes, Go.
Okay, one more minute. Okay, throw it out there. Anything you notice or feels important or you feel like you got the main point of this section. Okay. Name of Jesus has power. Yep. else all right again here's what I see we have to have Jesus we've got to have him we have to have Jesus to have power over darkness both within and without we have to have Jesus right the Holy Spirit gives us power over darkness and he comes with Jesus again it's a package deal okay now notice, Paul here speaks boldly for two years after he experienced opposition. That is no small deal. You imagine the fear, right? The rejection that he could experience in that. He goes to the synagogue, right? He's preaching there, and people are opposing his message. Not just casually saying, oh, you're, you know, whatever, I'm not going to listen to you, and walking away. Opposing him. And yet, the Holy Spirit gave Paul power within over his own issues, his own, his own struggle possibly with fear. I mean, man, here is a guy that lived a fearless life. Where did that come from? It came from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us power over the darkness within Right? Because he brings us to Jesus. It's Jesus that we've got to have, and the Holy Spirit gives us access to his power. Right? And then we see the power going out. Right? God does crazy miracles through Paul. Man, I wish it had just listed a few more of the other ones. It says, God did extraordinary miracles, and here's an example of one. You know, it's like, come on. Like, tell us some more. Right? These are the greater things that Jesus talked about. Right? Jesus says, greater things you will do because I am going to the Father. People touched Jesus' robe, right? The woman touched Jesus' robe and got healed. You know that story? He's going to the crowd. He was on his way to heal this guy's daughter, Jairus, this, this ruler guy. And this woman touched him. He says, who touched me? And this crowd of people that are crowding around him. And boom, power goes out of him and the woman is healed. 
There's another passage in, I believe it's Mark 6, that talks about people crowded all around Jesus and whoever touched his robe, in this instance, all of them were healed. Here, Paul doesn't even have to be present. He can just take his apron from being a tent maker and bring it to someone and they're healed. Or a handkerchief he sneezes on, bring it far away, boom, the person's healed, right? So you mock Benny Hinn who's sending out those prayer cloths, but there's biblical precedent, okay? There's power, right? He's doing, there's, God is doing greater thring, things through Paul, not because Paul is better than Jesus, but because Paul has the same spirit as Jesus. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in Paul, who is also in me, right? Now, this is not just Bible times, if you would believe it. There's stories of the guy that I talked about last week, Charles Finney. He walked into it. There's a story about him. He walked into a factory, and people, because he entered that building, started falling down on their knees, confessing their sins before God. He didn't say a word. Just power entered that room, that whole building. There's stories of Smith Wigglesworth, who lived in the last century. He died in 1947, and although he had some controversial methods, there's a story about him sitting on a train and people just walking by him and just falling down under the power of God, confessing their sins, similar thing, and coming to know Jesus just because of his presence, the presence of God that he carried. The Bible says God does not give the Spirit by measure. In other words, okay, you in the front row today? You guys are a little extra holy. Thanks for sitting up front. Here's 73% of my Holy Spirit. Maybe you've prayed for someone, you got a 50-50 shot, they get healed, whatever, right? You guys in the back, okay, I'll give you about 15% of the Holy Spirit. Good luck with that, okay? That's not the Bible. I have the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He doesn't come in parts. He's one person who enters my life. God has not given the Spirit by measure or by limit, the NIV says. God gives the Spirit without limit. So here's the thing. God wants a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be with you all the time. But there's a problem. The problem is sin or evil. It's in our own hearts, ways that we've hurt God and hurt other people. We've turned against God's way for our life. We've decided, you know what, I'm going to do things the way that I want. I'm going to live my own life, whether subconsciously or consciously. But God, because he is love, did not leave us to our own devices. Hear the gospel. God became a man. This is why Christmas is awesome. We have someone up there. For all eternity, there's a human being in the Trinity. Jesus, the God-man, that God joined himself to human matter and flesh. He became a person, forever bringing a person into the Trinity. Does that blow your mind? There's no angel in the Trinity. There's no cherubim in the Trinity. There's no seraphim in the Trinity. There's a person. We got a guy up there. His name is Jesus. He is in the Godhead. That is how much God values human beings, that he would become one. 
He can never get rid of being a human. Jesus has forever taken on the personhood. We have a man up there. His name is Jesus. That is the incarnation that God would enter human flesh and the darkness and evil of this world to rescue us. And he was baptized, right? He was set apart for ministry. The Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and God rended the heavens and came down. We can still pray that prayer, but guess what? It also already happened. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Yes, we want more of the Holy Spirit, but that happened. The heavens were rent. The Holy Spirit came down on a dove on Jesus, and Jesus went off and did ministry. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. He cleansed lepers. To show us, right, the message that it says again here, that the kingdom of God is what Paul preached in this hall of Tyrannus, Right? He preached the kingdom of God, the invasion of heaven on this earth. And what did we do? We killed Jesus. Because of all these wonderful things that he did and how awesome he was, he actually got rejected. Something that Plato predicted 300 years before Jesus came, that if there was ever a perfect man that would walk this earth, we would kill him. Incredible insight. But God raised him from the dead. And through Jesus' death, in submitting himself to these men, that laying his life down of his own accord, of he could jump down off that cross at any minute and call a legion of angels, right? He didn't do it. He surrendered to death so that he could kill death itself, so that he could take sin into the grave and defeat it. He could take wickedness and evil and defeat it, and death itself would be defeated. And God raised him from the dead to vindicate him and to show everyone that this was the Messiah. This was the God-man. And forever, Jesus is alive as a human being and God. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father so that now he would administer at God's right hand the invasion of heaven on this earth until every enemy is made a footstool for his feet. The most quoted verse in the New Testament from the Old. That is the gospel. But it doesn't stop there. The Holy Spirit came down again on the followers of Jesus so that we would be filled with the Spirit at Pentecost and have his power to over darkness. And we would be the invaders of this world by the Holy Spirit to see heaven come. That's the gospel. It's excellent news. Is it not? Come on. We got a guy up there and we got a guy in here. Right? It's, it's, it, uh, I can't even describe. I wish I could describe it to you. Right? I read an article this morning out of Scientific American. It was, it was actually an excerpt from a book called Extreme Fear, The Science of Your Mind in Danger. The chapter I read dealt with superhuman strength, which, you know, you heard those urban legends about a woman's baby gets caught in her car and she, like, flips the car over and gets a baby out or something crazy like that. Well, this tells a story about a guy and his wife who were driving down the street and a bicyclist they saw just got, just got smashed by this Camaro. And he got caught underneath the Camaro and dragged for a, a few feet. And they pulled over immediately, and the guy ran out, and the, 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 the poor man was screaming, and he just got under the car and just lifted this car up. And the guy was like, I'm still stuck. You know, lift it higher. He's just screaming, higher, higher, higher. And so the guy lifted it a few more inches, and the man who was driving the Camaro was able to run out and drag the man out from under it, and then the guy dropped the car. He was holding it for a total of 45 seconds. Right? 
Now, just to clarify, the author makes the point that there actually is a limit to how, how strong we can, there's an absolute limit of force that we can exert based on our body and our muscle and all those things. But most of us can only access about 65% of that at any time. But when extreme fear or some high-pressure situation kicks in, boom, we have all this extra force that can just jump in. That's why the author argues that many records uh, are set in the Olympics because there's such a high-pressure situation where the whole world is watching that, that there's just that extra bit of force that they can get. So all of this to say, guys, right, we have power when we are under duress, we have the Holy Spirit who shines brightest in the darkest places. The greatest power of the universe is inside of us. It's a person named Holy Spirit. We have to have Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is the one that is bringing the life of Jesus into this world. Last section, last paragraph. Verse 17. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. The number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas, which is like this huge sum of money. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Guys, we have to have Jesus. We have to have his Holy Spirit flowing through us if the world is going to know him. Right? The name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Now, he's tying this directly to what happened with those seven sons of Sceva, but I think also if handkerchiefs are being brought to people, I'm sure that had something to do with it too. Many people are confessing their sins and turning away from that life that they have. And they're giving up their lives and demonstrating it by saying, all this old stuff, even though it has huge value and I could just go sell it, I'm going to burn it because I don't want anybody else to have it either. It's not Jesus. The world needs us to carry the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus ministered in three ways, love, truth, and power, right? Jesus always came in with truth. He spoke truth to people, right? The woman who was, who was caught in adultery, they're going to stone her. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He's leading her to a different place. He's speaking the truth about who he is and how we are to live. But he also had power. Guys, if we're going to, have, if we're going to minister like Jesus, we have to walk in power. Because when there's a funeral procession going by and the Holy Spirit says, go over there, Jesus doesn't walk up and say, hey guys, I hope everything's okay. He says, get up. Get out of that thing. He raises the widow's son from the dead. That is our inheritance because of what Jesus has done. The ministry of Jesus is one of power, truth, and love. Always love. Right? Always in love. But we cannot leave out the power or the person of the Holy Spirit or what God wants to do through us. Guys, the world needs it. The world needs it. The world needs Jesus. Everyone is really calling out in their heart for an encounter with Jesus. We need to get to know the Holy Spirit if we're going to bring Jesus to people. That is what he is all about. That is what he is all about. Let's pray. Have the band come back up as we do that. Lord, I don't, know, I don't know what else to say, Lord. We have to have Jesus. 
God, the more I stand up here, the more I don't want to give anyone in this room anything but Jesus. I want people to have Jesus. We want to have Jesus. Holy Spirit, we're just calling out for you in this room right now. Would you, would you blow a fresh wind that we would know the power, the love, the truth of Jesus? We want an encounter with Jesus, the living God, man. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. Here's the challenge before us. God is a rewarder of those who seek him. And I just want to tell you guys, I just sense from the Lord that it is, it is time for us to up the ante in telling God that we want Jesus. And we're not going to give, we're, we're going to give everything it takes to get him. For ourselves and also for this world. My challenge today is what is God calling you to, to, to do? so that you can have more of Jesus. Don't let him off the hook to say, no, I'm just satisfied with this much. Jesus, we want more. Call out to him, guys, in this next song. I'm just inviting you, call out to God. Say, God, do not let my heart be satisfied with less. I'm willing to suffer for you, Jesus. If it means I can have more of you, I don't want anything less. This world needs Jesus. I want Jesus. Is that the cry of your heart? Would you cry out to the Lord? Cry out to him. Tell him you need Jesus. Tell him you've got to have him. Tell the Holy Spirit you've got to have Jesus. Don't be afraid. Cry out to him. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. We have to have Jesus, Lord. We have to have him. Let's sing this last song. Cry out to the Lord. He is a rewarder of those who seek him. This world needs more of the Holy Spirit. You need more of Jesus. Let's bring him. Let's bring him.